When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in the United States of America. Uh, this is time for our most important segment of the day, which is uh, our panel with two of the best in the business in finance and stocks and what to do with your investments, uh, Ryan and Bob Payne. Uh, good friends and just wise counsel every week. So, gentlemen, I hope you had a great week. Uh, there's a lot to talk about this morning. I want to get to the biggest story of the week, which I think shocked everyone. I think it shocked you, too, as well, which is this uh, decline in the first quarter GDP. The GDP was down in real terms by 1.4%. I kind of fell off my chair when I saw that number on Thursday morning. <laughs> I wonder what you guys think. I, I noticed that the market kind of shrugged it off a little bit on uh, Thursday morning. But uh, what does this mean for investors? Should we be uh, skittish right now? What do you think? Well, first of all, Steve, it was a shock because you're coming down from one of the best quarters we've had in a long time. Yeah. Right. The right. quarter was 6.9 percent in the fourth quarter. But then, you know, uh-huh. we have inflation. We have the Ukraine, Russian Aggression, you right. have the Omicron virus we had last quarter, uh, which slowed things down. So it was really a, a surprise. I mean, everybody expected a, a bit of a slowdown, but this came in quite shocking, I think. Yeah, my sentiments are the same as, as Bob on this. I mean, I think you know, we had a, it, was a, it was a tough, tough first quarter for a lot of different reasons. But I will mention this, and I think this is you know, one thing that Bob and I have talked about a lot, is consumer spending has still been uh-huh. continually very, very strong. And look at earnings this quarter. I mean, earnings definitely don't reflect what GDP looks like. I mean, if you're hearing companies' earnings reports, I mean, we're still seeing beats across the board. Profit margins are still better than they've been than the average over the last five years. So you know, I think when you start looking at the market and you start looking at companies and you start looking at the consumer... From where I'm standing, guys, they still look like they're in really, really good shape here, no matter what the media tells you. Now, well, you know, what's interesting, Steve? Report. Yep. I'm sorry. Steve, you know, I, I found ahead. interesting that most of the economists <clears throat> that I'm listening to this morning, um, of course, you're the best economist, so we want to listen to you first. They're saying that this was a surprise, but now they're all predicting that the next quarter should rise. Do you agree with that? Well, here's the thing. Uh, when I look at these numbers uh, for this first quarter, wh- the real story is in nominal terms, you know, consumer spending was up, investment was up, uh, and and most of the numbers were good. The problem is that when you have 8.5% inflation, 
that means these numbers have to be up above 8.5%. You see what I'm saying? Just to yep. keep even with the inflation rate. And so this is why inflation is such a curse, because you get, uh, you get this high inflation surge, and it means wages fall behind uh, the, uh, by the inflation mark, and now you're getting economic activity not keeping up with that toward uh, uh, pace of higher prices. And that's why I'm a little bit more worried about things right now, because uh, to bring down that inflation rate, <laughs> which is so high right now, but as we all know, 40-year high, you got to pull some of that money out of the economy, because that's what this inflation is, the excess money sloshing around the economy. You have to either do that, or you have to dramatically increase the supply of goods and services, which brings prices down too. And so I don't see, look, I'm a kind of political economy guy. I'm looking at what's <laughs> happening in Washington and I don't like a lot of what I'm hearing. Let me give you just one example. And I'd love your guys' reaction to this. Um, on Wednesday, Chuck Schumer, who is the Senate majority leader said, well, you know what we really need to do is raise taxes. <laughs> I don't know how raising taxes is going to reduce inflation, but I don't like the signals I'm getting right now out of Washington. Yeah, I see what you mean, Steve, because, you know, the labor market's doing really, really well. I mean, everybody wants it to is. hang on and cling to their employees. Yeah. But when you've got this kind of high inflation, it cuts into their purchasing power, even though they have more cash right. than they've ever had. Their, the balance right. sheet's good. When you have 8.5% inflation, but hourly earnings are only growing at 5.6%, you can see that, you know, people are going to the grocery store and going to the gas pump saying, wait a minute, I'm still falling behind. This isn't good. It's a, it's a challenge for everybody, I think. Now, yeah, how, really much should, how much Go should ahead. we be worried about um, the – I've been, I've been a worry when it comes to the housing market because it's been, been on such a torrid pace, you know, over the last several years. And you're seeing – I mean, the good news for p people who own homes is your, your equity in your home is going up rapidly because home prices are rising. Uh, so that's the good news of the housing story. But the bad news is try to buy a house, you know. I mean, how, the prices are high. The mortgage rates are rising. Uh, people's incomes, you know, they're having a hard time even making the down payments because the prices are so high, especially for young people, the millennials who may be first time home buyers. And so uh, I worry one of the things that's keeping me up at night is, you know, a potential bubble in that housing market. And let's not forget, I mean, I know yeah. you guys haven't forgotten what happened in 2007 and eight when that bubble yeah. burst. Uh, are you should I be worried about the housing market or what do you guys think? I don't know. I'm a little skeptical of being you – know, it's not like 0809 because 0809, you're going to remember we had an oversupply of houses. And, you know, we talked right. about this before, but, you know, remember now just we like have those – Now we have the opposite problem, right? We don't have an oversupply. We have an undersupply. Undersupply. And you have millennials, yeah. the biggest cohort in America now, right, like 80 million people, all deciding, <laughs> all right, I'm not living in my parents' basement anymore. We're going to have kids. We're going to go buy a home. Right, all right, All at the right. same time. So even with rates going up, you see it here in New York City, um, prices aren't coming down, which is actually crazy. But I think that speaks to that supply demand imbalance. So I, I don't think you have the Got same it. dynamics you had during the, the the housing crisis, which another reason why the economy probably is going to remain hot here. In my humble, yeah, opinion. I think what you're going to see, yeah. I think you're going to see a slowdown yeah. in the housing market because it makes sense. Because it was just, right. it's just, you know, wait, twenty percent jump in February. Yeah, right. for crying out loud! Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I mean, two, three years ago, Steve, you couldn't give a house away, and now you can't keep it on the market for exactly. more than fifteen minutes. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> but I actually think it's kind of healthy because it's, um, you know, 
I always say the cure for higher prices is higher prices, and it's it's all going to start with the consumer, <laughs> right, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. go out to buy a home and say, wait a minute, why does this house cost so much? Well, lumber's through the roof, you know, energy's through the roof, sure. uh, steel's sure. through the roof. So you know, I, I talk to a lot of my clients who are home builders who are in the construction right. trades, and you know, they're in sticker shock. They're trying to pass these costs along, but they think there's definitely going to be a slowdown. But uh, I don't think it's going to be a crash. I think the okay. consumer's in too good. good a shape. And I think that, you know, the other thing is, Steve, a lot of times you go out and bid for a home right now, you're bidding for people who are paying cash. I've never seen so many cash deals in my life. That's amazing. That is amazing. And that means, I mean, because one of the things that has worried me is we have seen for the last couple months a creeping up of that mortgage rate. And in mm-hmm. some markets, many markets, it's about 5%. In some markets, it's bumping on 6%. Uh, yeah. So that, that, you know, obviously that raises the cost of buying a new home. But you're saying I don't need to worry too much about that. Well, look, in perspective, as you guys know, I mean, a 5.5% mortgage rate compared to what we had, you know, in the <laughs> early 80s when the market yep. <laughs> mortgage rate went to 15 16 17%, is still historically pretty low. And that yeah, brings up no, another no, point, exactly Steve. Right. Isn't it the market? Is the market kind of doing the Federal Reserve's job for them right now? Are they, you know, <laughs> we, get, we get this. I mean, look how fast mortgage rates went up, right? Are they trying? The market's kind of slowing down the economy, which I think is ultimately going to help us with inflation. We hope. Yeah, I, I, I hope that you're right about that. Now, what is your biggest worry right now? With respect to the stock market, which is still, yeah. you know, it's it had a rough week this week, but, but, um, you know, it's still historically pretty high. Yeah. What is the thing that you worry most about? And I know you guys are generally pretty bullish on yeah. the market, but what, what is, uh, what is, what are the things we should look out for in this yeah. market? I think our biggest risk here, it's kind of like what happened in 2018 where fear begets fear, right? And we saw that right. back then when the Fed was posturing about right, raising interest rates. They started to tighten a little bit, and then bam, we had that 20% correction uh, into the end of the year there in that December. I remember that Christmas, you know, getting calls on my phone. I was like, come on, not now. Uh, but that's a nice story <laughs> right. together. But I think, I think that's your bigger bigger issue here is, I mean, the economy, and there's, there are some issues out there, but the reality of it is when you have a strong consumer, um, you have inflation that realistically could come down a little bit here. You've got companies that are flush right now. They're giving you good guidance. Um, you know, right. I think they're all very, very positive. I think it's just, there is so much fear about recession. There is so much fear about what interest rates are going to do to the economy that investors just capitulate here. And that in my mind is probably your biggest risk because again, I mean, from where we're standing, Kinds on pretty solid footing right now. No matter what, you know, most of these these yahoos on TV are telling you, I'm one of them. Uh-huh. Well, here's the other thing, Steve. Let's yeah. let's face it. We're coming off one of the greatest ten year stretches. I mean, one of the three year best stretches yeah. in the yeah. U.S. stock market. Which, by the way, you had a lot to do with. You know, when you were working for the Trump administration. So, you know, mm-hmm. we had this huge upswing in right. the market, which causes a lot of speculation. So, I think what we're seeing right now is a lot of that speculation, a lot of that greed being wrung out when you see some of the you know, the higher risk stocks that are going down because our blue stocks are, are hitting 52-week highs. So you've wow. got a dichotomy in the market. And when you look at inflation and you look at interest rates and then even look at earnings, right? 135 companies are reported. Earnings are up 7.2%. Revenues are up 11.6%. That's all history, right? That's all. That's, that doesn't have any predictive power. But I right. think the way you have to view this right now, it's a correction in an overall bull market. We're not quite in a bear market yet. I mean, we're in a bear market in high-risk tech stocks. But otherwise, look at this as a correction. 
And I think, you know, if we get the economy to slow down, okay. we get some good news on inflation, we could see things, you know, really start to move forward after the so we have we have yeah, we have 90 seconds left. So I want to ask you this both this final question. Um, so, Bob, obviously, we had a negative quarter for the first quarter. And, yep. as you know, two quarters of negative is, is, effect, is effectively the definition of a recession. Um, mm-hmm. But it sounds like from listening to both of you that you actually think we'll, we'll get a rebound in the GDP in quarter two, which we're, we're one month into that quarter right now. That seems to be yeah. the consensus right now, Steve, and I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I, I say likewise. I'm with Bob on that yeah. one. Yeah, we're definitely a so positive we're gonna, GDP we're gonna, this year. Okay, we're going to skate around a recession. Thank God. <laughs> That's the last <laughs> thing I want to see for our economy and for the stock market. Well, great analysis, guys, as always. That's Bob and Ryan Payne. They're the best in the business. What's the number again for the free consultation? That's right. If you give us a car, text right now at 844-752-6692. If you have over $750,000 safe for retirement, we'll do a full holistic review. That's 844-752-6692. Talk Radio 77 WABC. So if you're one of the next 10 callers and you have over $750,000 safe for retirement, we keep an offer open for the show. We'll do a full financial review, a holistic review. Our total financial master plan will do that with no obligation or cost. We'll literally look at everything. We'll go through every holding that you have. We're going to build you your own personalized financial portal, get a bird's eye view of your entire financial picture, hone in on every single financial issue you have. We're going to look at everything from income. Do you have an income plan for retirement? How are you going to draw from your portfolio? How are you going to take Social Security? How do you factor in inflation? We're going to put together a full plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at fees and taxes. Yes, Wall Street loves to sell you products with high fees and lots of taxes. Bob and I are going to go through every investment you own, show you how to reduce the fees, and show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes so there's more money in your pocket. And we're going to look at diversification. Are you getting hit hard here as markets are all over the place, as the Fed is tightening and inflation is kicking in? Or have you been sitting in cash, earning nothing on your money, as inflation is over 8% at the highest in 40 years? We're going to put together a full investment game plan show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. If you give us a call or text right now, if you have over $750,000 saved for retirement at 844-752-6692. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over 750000 for your retirement. Our advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost. But you want to have a plan. And in today's market, you need a plan. So text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Yeah. So, Bob, you know, given our wealth management firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, um, and we manage over a thousand relationships, and we really center our, our practice around financial planning. And I feel like, you know, we've distilled it down to really five critical areas that everyone needs to cover in order to achieve what we would call financial independence or make it to retirement. So then we can discuss those five financial planning questions you really have to be able to answer for yourself to make sure you're, you're really on track for your own financial freedom plan. And the first one would really be, will I really spend less in retirement? 
Hey, Rye, you know what? We always, uh, back when I started 46 years ago, <laughs> oh my goodness, I started looking at projections and doing financial plans. And we, the rule of thumb was always you would spend 70 to 80% of your current after-tax income in retirement. Now, here we are, 2022, coming out of COVID. You know, all I've done for the last three weeks is wire money for people taking their two-week, three-week cruises, their trips, you know, <laughs> renting houses at the beach. I mean, people are living large. I don't know how I'm going to keep up with the spending. <laughs> well, it is amazing, right? Because it's like when you retire, it's like you have all these other things you want to do, right? You look at all those commercials of people playing golf. And Bob, you play a lot of golf and you're not retired, but I can't imagine how much golf you would play if you were retired. <laughs> what we found is most of the time you're spending as much money in retirement as you were when you were working. So I think it's it's one of these big misconceptions. And even furthermore, like even when we have a lot of clients in their 80s and you think you're going to slow down your spending later, it typically doesn't happen, right? I mean, people's lust for life and because of healthcare and because people are living longer is you're spending more money all the way through retirement. And I think that's a big function of the baby boomers, right? We are um, a different generation than our parents' generation. As you'll be different than my generation we don't think we're getting older. We don't think that we're ever going to die. We don't think that we should ever slow down. Um, and I think the biggest issue today is when I look at your plans, when you come in to see us after you know listening to us, is that you're going to find out that you're not planned properly because you may have had a projection to see what happens if you live to 80, which is actually where we're supposed to live. You're going to live to 100 and you better be prepared in case you do. Yeah, the other big question that you have to ask yourself is, how am I going to fill in my income gap when I retire? You know, How am I going to draw from my portfolio? Because I think the scariest moment is realizing that paycheck is going to stop. It's not going to come in your bank account anymore. And now all of a sudden, you have to draw off all those assets that you've been saving up over the course of the last, you know, really like 40, 50 years. It's a really, really scary place to be. You know, that's the thing, right? That's a big conundrum about investing. I see a lot of you have portfolios that are built to make money. Hey, that's admirable. That's what you should try to do. But retirement planning is not about making money. It's about generating income, right? The day you resign, the day you sell your business, the day that you no longer have to go to work is the same day that paycheck stops getting deposited into your checking account. And you have to figure out how do I fill that gap? Yeah, and that's that's what we see is lacking a lot of times. Your portfolios tend to be a collection of investments, right? Because you have accounts over here at maybe Morgan Stanley, and then you have your savings account over here, and maybe an old 401k from a company over here, but it's not working together, and it doesn't generate a lot of income because a lot of times your portfolio is the portfolio of someone who's still working, still growing their wealth, not a wealth distribution plan. And that's what you got to make that change. You got to really switch what you're doing with your portfolio, convert it into what we call your wealth distribution plan. And that's the risk of big, boomy bull markets, right? We've had one for the last 10 years, the last 13 years. And all of a sudden, we're all very, very smart about investing. It's like, why would I want to be in something that's not risky? <laughs> because look at all the money I won't make. But you got to think yeah. about when you're in retirement, how are you going to generate income if everything's in growth, right? You're going to you yeah. have to sell and take capital gains and pay taxes. What if you put, like yeah. we had a prospect the other day, put 100% of their money in the ARC fund. How do you think they're feeling right now? Yeah. Well, any of those growth type funds, I mean, obviously they're very dangerous. We're learning that right now as markets are plummeting specifically in anything that's in growth stocks or tech. So I think, you know, we have to think about is when you look at your portfolio, 
The key here is income is so much more reliable than the ups and downs in the market. And what you have to do is make sure that you're not relying on the ups and downs of the market. And when you know you have certain income coming in every single year from Social Security, maybe a pension in your portfolio, it takes a lot of guessing out of the equation and a lot of the headaches out of it, Bob, and really you know, solidifies what I would call that income plan for retirement. Well, you know, Ryan, when it comes to your income plan, you got to start at the beginning. And you got to ask you this question, this age-old question, do I know what I own and do I know why I own it? And most of us probably can't answer that. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> so, and this is another reason too, uh, you know, another question you have to ask yourself is, number three is, are my finances organized and in what place? Because again, when you have assets in all these different locations and, you know, they're not all working together, you know, one of the first things you need to do is really tally up what you have know where it is, and then start making sure that it's all working in one concerted effort to make sure that you can stay retired. Like That's the key right there. And that's why planning comes down to, do you really love your spouse? Do you really love your family? Because most of us in joint account relationships and in, in, you know, in a regular relationship, you're going to have one spouse, right? One partner who cares about finance, who cares about where the money is, who organizes everything. <clears throat> and the other spouse, the other partner could care less. And, you know, you say, well, what happens if you're not around? You know, the decision maker. Oh, they'll figure it out. What do you mean they'll figure it out? Where are they going to find it, right? They got, you got investments stuck in a drawer somewhere. So you got to make sure that you're fully organized. You got to have a, a place where you put all that information so it's not stressful, you know, when something happens to you. Yeah. I mean, that's why we put together our financial portal for people because you can put everything in one place. It gets updated on a daily basis. You can log in. You can see exactly what the values are on all your different accounts. You can see what your diversification looks like. But these are the questions you have to start asking yourself as you get down to that financial red zone, right? When you're five years out, 10 years out from retirement or retired now. And you know, Bob, in the other big picture and the big question you have to ask yourself is the tax picture. Right. And what does your tax picture look like in retirement? We spend so much time just figuring out how to optimize taxes and it's little things that you do and tweaks. And most of us just don't do it. You know, Rod, we always say render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, but don't give them any of yours. It drives me crazy how many voluntarily tax paying strategies we see every day. People with mutual funds, with annuities, right? You have mutual funds that generated an enormous amount of capital gains this year. You didn't sell anything. And now the money manager expects you to pay taxes. It drives me nuts. Why should you pay taxes on something you haven't sold? And then you put money into annuities. You take after-tax dollars, you put it into annuities, and then you start giving your money back, and all of a sudden you're paying the IRS again. How's that fair? How's that a great idea? (laughs) Well, we talk about this every week, but Wall Street does love to sell you products that tend to be more complicated and more tax inefficient. So you need to get on top of it. Having your financial professional and your tax professional work together is key here. So, you know, optimizing taxes, more money in your pocket, less money in the government's has a huge impact because it's what you take, not what you make. Remember that. Um, and Bob, the last question you really have to ask yourself when it comes to financial planning is how am I going to generate enough return to account for inflation without having to use my principal? And that's probably more critical than ever right now. You know, Rob, we always talk about, you know, pro-investments, right? You have to have pro-inflation investments in your portfolio. You didn't need them for the last 40 years. So most advisors are just twiddling their thumb thinking, oh, this is temporary. This is, you know, this is going to be transitory. But, you know, inflation's real. And you always have to have inflation as the key risk in your portfolio strategy. Because you know what, Rob? Inflation is the biggest risk to everybody's net worth in this country right now. Always has been. Yeah. you got to be certain that you're hedged against it. 
Well, it's, it's critical because, right, it's not just about having enough income today, but your cost of living is going to go up. So you have to ask yourself, do I have enough income for the next five years, 10 years? And the problem is a lot of these products, we talk about annuities where it's a fixed amount coming in every year. That doesn't go up over time, but your expenses are. So do you have like a rising cash flow or an income plan? And that's something that has to be factored in. We see that's one of the biggest gaps you have in your financial planning right now. So and more than ever, right the second. And you know what, Rye, with rising inflation right now, with um, where we are in, in the economy, I think your portfolio is at greater risk than it's ever been in the history of your investing life. Now's the time to get a second opinion. Yeah, inflation's real. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, I need to get on top of these questions. You know, I don't have an income plan for retirement. I have an income gap. I'm not organized with my finances at all. I don't know how much I'm going to need to spend in retirement. Well, here's your chance to get all those questions answered. We literally have five slots left. We keep them open for the show. If you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, myself and Bob will run our now famous total financial master plan. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front at no cost. We'll go through everything, every investment you own. We're going to build you your own personalized financial portal, and we will literally hone in on every financial issue you have. We're going to look at that income gap. We're going to look at putting together an income plan, accounting for inflation so you don't run out of money in retirement. We're going to literally look at taxes. We're going to look at fees. We're going to go through every investment, show you where those hidden fees are that Wall Street loves to sell you in those products and show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes so there's more money in your pocket. And we're going to look at diversification. Have you been getting hammered the last couple of weeks in the market? It's been all over the place. Or you've been sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis as inflation's going higher, eating at your purchasing power, and you don't know what to do. We're going to put together a full investment game plan so you grow your work and protect it over the rest of your life. We have five slots left. If you give us a call or text right now. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next five callers, you've saved over 750000 for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation, there's no cost, but you won't have a plan. So all you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you like our content, you want to learn more about our firm, Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. You can check out our podcast at BeBullish.com. That's Pain Points of Wealth. Go to BeBullish.com. You can learn more about our firm, Payne Capital Management, what Bob and I do. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. WABC. The 77 WABC mobile app. Download it now. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist, here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, stocks fell for the worst four-month start to a year since 1970. Man, I was still in high school then. The S&P 500 is now officially in correction territory, down 10% for the year, while the NASDAQ is flirting with a bear market, down 19% so far in 2022. Now, investors have contended with a slew of negative headwinds, from the Federal Reserve's monetary tightening, rising interest rates, persistent inflation, COVID spikes in China, the ongoing war in Ukraine, and with the GDP, the gross domestic product, unexpectedly declining at a negative 1.4% annual
annualized pace in the first quarter. Now, while most economists largely expect the U.S. to skirt an outright recession, risks are clearly rising. Now, there's actually some good news. 80% of companies who have reported first quarter earnings exceeded expectations, with earnings up 7.2% and revenues up 11.6%, and not all stocks are in correction territory. The majority of the damage this year has occurred in long-duration assets, like long-term bond funds and growth and technology stocks. The S&P 500 is a capitalization-weighted index, which gives a higher percentage allocation to companies with the largest market cap. The current weight of the S&P is close to 50% in tech and growth stocks, which were the best-performing stocks in the best 10 years, but are now dragging the index down into correction territory. Meanwhile, just two weeks ago, our large company value portfolio and our mid-company value portfolio both hit not just 52-week highs, but how about this? All-time record highs. My oil stocks and commodities hit 52-week highs. Leadership in the market has clearly changed and may even be a paradigm shift, proving once again why broad diversification of your portfolio assets is the best strategy. Diversification is a hedge against uncertainty, and no one, and I mean no one, has 100% certainty about what the best performing investment will be. Uncertainty and volatility are opportunities. Opportunity is knocking, and the only question you need to ask is your portfolio in a position to answer. Hey, my son Ryan and I, we have 68 years of combined industry experience of building low-cost, tax-efficient, goal-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management. Stop. ED is no laughing matter. This could be caused from low T, high blood pressure, or diabetes. Elevate Wellness can help. 40% of men over 40 have experienced this. Make the call to Elevate Wellness now. 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. The office visit is only $99 and includes exam, blood work, test dose, and consultation. Call Elevate Wellness. 973-354-2276. Or Elevate Wellness Group. If you're suffering from ED, you're not alone. 60% of men over 60 have this problem. Help is out there. The professionals at Elevate Wellness can help you be the man you used to be. They've helped thousands of patients and have a 96% success rate. What are you waiting for? Call 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. Your first visit is only $99. ElevateWellnessGroup.com. Help is out there. ElevateWellnessGroup.com. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show. I hope you learned something from listening to uh, Ryan and uh, Payne. And that was a fascinating, I thought it was a fascinating interview that that I had with them. 
you know, given what's going on with this stock market right now, I mean, the last week was just a disaster for the stock market. And you got to listen to the real professionals and, and Bob Ryan are the best in the business. So it's a it's a real um, treat for me to be able to have them on the show every week. Uh, but now we get to the really fun part of the show, which is to start taking your calls. You know, I've decided this is my favorite part of the show. <laughs> I've been doing the show for over a year now. And uh, I love to give you some commentary and some analysis of what's going on. But every week, it just seems like we have the best callers. We have people who say the smartest things and give me great insights for my week ahead in terms of analyzing the economy, the stock market, what's going on politically. So we will be taking your calls very shortly. That number is 1-800-848-9222. The More Money Hotline, again, 1-800-848-9222. We reach an audience that stretches all the way from south to Georgia, all the way up north to Maine. So we have callers from all over the place, and we also have some affiliate channels. So we get people, um, we've had people call in from California, for goodness sake. So this is a a wonderful, wonderful uh, talk radio station. I've always said that uh, John Katsimides, who has built this station, um, has built the best talk radio station in the United States. And you, and it's partly because we have the smartest listeners. <laughs> I'm not patronizing you folks. We have great listeners who have great questions, great comments, great criticisms of what's going on. So I do want to take your calls at 1-800-848-WABC um, in just a few minutes. But let me give you a quick analysis of what I think is going on. And uh, let's, let's make this the topic of the day. And by the way, this is now, for those of you regular listeners, the eighth week in a row, eight weeks in a row, I've asked someone to call in, a liberal a Democrat. We're very respectful on the show. We believe in freedom of speech. We're not like liberals. We don't have a misinformation campaign. You know, we don't have uh, we don't call things hate speech if we disagree with it. We can have disagreements and we can be um, you know, we can still talk to each other and we can't sh- we can't. Uh, We can't shut people up and take away their First Amendment rights as the way the left wants to do. And unfortunately, too many people in the Biden administration. And so uh, here is my premise for this week. That do you ever ever, uh, watch one of my favorite movies, which is called Dumb and Dumber? I mean, it's a silly movie, but it is. There are a lot of funny scenes in that movie. And my favorite is, you know, when uh, when uh, one guy says to the other, you know, every time. I don't think you can do something dumber. You totally redeem yourself. And it's just a very funny scene. But I call this the every time I don't think you can do anything dumber administration. Because let's just review what's happened this week. First of all, we got a really dismal uh, report on the state of the economy. We, we shrank in the first quarter. We shrank. That means people got poorer in the first quarter. And the reason for that is very simple. One word. I think you all know what that one word is. Inflation. Inflation is just ravaging this economy. It is, uh, it is making it so difficult for people to get gains in income above inflation. You know, when you have 8.5% inflation, that means you've got to grow the economy just 8.5% just to keep up with the inflation rate. Think about that. You know, so if we had 10% growth in the economy, that means in real terms, it only grew by 1.5%. But it didn't grow by 10%. It grew by closer to uh, 6 or 7%. So we got negative 1.4%. My point is very succinct, succinct and simple. Until 
we get this inflation under control, we're going to lose our savings. We're going to lose our income. We're going to lose. Uh, we're going to see our paycheck shrink. People, uh, if you're over the age of 65 and you're retired, inflation is a killer. It's a killer on your lifetime savings. Let's say you've spent 40 years, 45 years building up a nest egg. Maybe you got a million bucks. Maybe you got $500,000. What this inflation means is that you're losing 8% per year. Now, maybe you get 3% on your bonds. You're not making money on stocks, right? Stocks actually fell in real terms over the last year. So um, your savings is being stolen by inflation. Yeah, stolen. I'm going to use that word because that's exactly what's happened. And so you've got this lousy economy. Then let's look at what the administration came out with this week, because it's every time I don't think they can do anything dumber. Now, first of all, somebody got to explain to me. Somebody has to explain to me the border policy. We're really going to get rid of the stay in Mexico policy and let hundreds and hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants into the country. Folks, if you're normal uh, regular listeners to this show, you know I am very pro-immigrant. I think immigrants are a great, great asset to this country. When they come here and work and learn our language and start businesses and uh, contribute to our society, they uh, join the military, they are amazing Americans. And sometimes the, the Americans who came here by choice are better than people who were born here as Americans. And so I am not an immigrant. You know, the African immigrants who come here do unbelievably well. The Hispanics, hardest working people, incredibly entrepreneurial. Asians, you know this, Asians make more money than whites do. So this is a uh, this is a, a, a talk show host who is not anti-immigrant. I think we actually need more immigrants, but they got to come in legally. This idea, and we got to know who they are. We want to make sure they're not criminals or spies or drug runners. Come on, come on. We have to have a regulated border. Um, and we're if, if we adopt the Biden policy, it's basically if you can get here and you get to the border, you can come in. I'm sorry. I disagree with that. I think it's dangerous. I think it's dangerous for our health. They might have, uh, you know, um, germs or uh, the virus, and we don't want them spreading that. We They might be uh, criminals. They might be terrorists. We've got to regulate who comes in. So I don't understand this idea of getting rid of the stay, stay in Mexico policy. That is only going to encourage more and more and more migrants from all over Central America to come to the United States illegally, illegally. And I can't I, I can't countenance that. And I hope you can't, too. But Biden wants to do it. And the Democrats say, oh, this is the right thing to do. No, it isn't. It's bad for America. Number two. How about this? One point five. Trillion. I didn't say 1.5 billion. I didn't say 1.5 million. 1.5 trillion dollars of unpaid student loan debt. You and I have to pay that back now. No, create that. Forget it. Forget about it. I'm not paying your student loan. You took out the loan. Nobody put a gun to your head, and you said, if you're an honest broker, if you're a stand-up guy or woman, you were going to pay back that loan. That's what you do when you take out a loan. You agree legally to pay it back. Why should I have to pay back? The loans for these deadbeats who aren't paying back their loans. And yeah, I'm going to use that term deadbeat. And people go, oh, Steve Moore's engaging in a hate speech. No, if you don't pay back the money you owe, you're a deadbeat. I said it. All right. You you guys can, (laughs) you may not like it, but that is what is going on. And by the way, you know, over half of the people with these unpaid loans have graduate degrees. 
Why should a plumber or a carpenter or a bus driver or a a truck driver have to pay more taxes for somebody who got a Ph.D. in history or a sociology, uh, you know, master's degree uh, or ethnic studies or whatever it might be? They're getting all these worthless degrees. Then they find out employers don't care about these stupid degrees. Uh, And I'm not against the liberal arts education. I've got a liberal arts education. I think many of you do. But if you if you make a loan. And you got a college degree, you got to get a job and you got to pay back your loan. It's that simple. And and by the way, if they implement this policy, folks, if they implement this policy and say, oh, we're going to relieve one point five trillion dollars of student loans, you don't have to pay it back now. How many people in the future do you think are ever going to pay back a government loan? You're a sucker if you do. I, I mentioned, I think, last week, my wife, who I love and adore, uh, and is a hardworking woman, and she did not grow up rich. She had to put herself through college, and she had to take out some student loans to do it. And when she graduated, like most college graduates, she didn't make a whole lot of income in her 20s. She's, you know, um, but, you know, she worked hard, and she would, you know, she was living paycheck to paycheck, as many of us do. And she would take very diligently, you know, 10 or 15% of her paycheck each month and pay back that student loan. And it took her about 10 or 12 years, but she did it. Now, how do you think she feels when she worked hard, she made the sacrifice, the financial sacrifice to pay back her loan? And now the people who didn't, who just said, I'm going to walk away from the loan. No, that is, that is a terrible, terrible policy. And if, I want somebody to call in. If you, if you like this policy, I'd love to hear from somebody. And remember that number is 1-800-848-9222. Then you've got, uh, uh, I'm not done yet <laughs> with these crazy things that are coming up. So then you have uh, Joe Biden saying, oh, well, you know, this, this negative GDP report really wasn't so bad because consumer spending was up. Well, duh. You know why consumer spending was up in the first quarter? You know why? Because everything costs more, right? If you have to pay $5 a gallon rather than $3 a gallon to fill up your tank, you're spending more. If you have to pay, you know, um, $6 for a gallon of milk rather than $3 a gallon of milk, you're spending more. But that doesn't make us better off. That makes it worse off, right? Because it means you have to spend more and more and more to get less and less stuff. And so I just laughed when I heard Joe Biden say, oh, well, consumers are spending more. Well, they are, thanks to you, Joe Biden, and your Biden inflation. And then finally, uh, for those of you who live in New York, and I know most of our listeners are in the New York area, your senator, you voted for the guy, Chucky Schumer. He's out there talking about, uh, oh, these evil oil companies and their their gouging prices and so on. By the way, I didn't see a lot of gouging of prices when when Trump was president. Did you? No, no, I didn't see a lot of gouging of prices. But why are they gouging prices? Because there's a shortage of energy. And it was created by Biden because he declared war on American energy. So now Biden wants to raise taxes on the energy companies. Now, folks, again, this stuff is very simple. (laughs) This is elementary economics. And I know I don't want to insult your intelligence, but maybe somebody in the Biden administration is listening to this show. If you tax something, you get less of it. So if we raise taxes on energy and energy profits, what do you think? You think the energy companies are going to invest more or less in drilling and and bringing the energy to our homes? They're going to invest less and the price is going to go up. So if I sound a little bit angry this afternoon, it's because I am. I am. This is a president who is in over his head. Do you remember uh, 
the um, Saturday Night Live, they had the not ready for primetime players. I think they may still have them. The not ready, that was their band, the not ready for primetime players. Well, we got a bunch of people in Washington right now, quite frankly, folks, who are not ready for primetime. They're in over their heads. There are not, there's not many people who know anything about business or enterprise or how to make a profit or how to meet a payroll. They're all lawyers, lobbyists, politicians who know nothing about how to make an economy work in shows. Okay, so that I'm going to now step off my soapbox uh, because um, I want to hear from you. So let's start taking some of your questions and that number. And and I do want to hear from a liberal. Please, please call in and and please defend these policies. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe these some kind of master plan, and I just don't know what it is. And maybe somebody could explain it, and I want to be uh, educated. So uh, if you think these policies are the right thing to do, please, please call in the number. Uh, Mr. Producer, who is our first caller this afternoon? Our first caller is John from Staten Island. John from Staten Island, uh, can you defend these Biden policies, John? Not at all. And the only thing from the uh, Dumb and Dumber movies, when Jim Carrey was hugging women, that's Biden, okay? He always wants to hug. <laughs> he wants to smell the hair. <laughs> that's the only thing I know from Dumb and Dumber. That's, that's Biden's <laughs> character. Well, do you remember that scene where he says, every time, who's the other uh, actor? They smell your hair? That's Biden. And that's Jim yeah. Carrey. <laughs> but my, he says, every my, time my, I think you can't do anything dumber. <laughs> well, there's more dumber than this. We have the Federal Reserve goes to the yeah. Treasury to print up money. Uh, I watched a thing from uh, one of these characters. Uh, somebody explained the Fed is owned by a bunch of private banks. It is not the federal government. It's a bunch of private banks. The, the president, I forgot which president enacted it. And that's why the Fed was made. So Goldman Sachs is part of it. Citibank is part of it. All the top major banks are part of it. They could pull as much money as they want to their bank accounts, but a small savings alone, when I was a kid, we used to remember 3% over compounded over a year in your savings yeah, account yeah, yeah, would yeah, give yeah. you a good, decent you know, you know, of retirement if you got older with 40, 50 years. That's gone. We only get zero or 1%. But the banks are printing the top. The, the Federal Reserve is owned by a bunch of private people appointed right. by the politicians. 30 years of this happened from Clinton all the way up the line. Yeah. They appointed people in the British banks to bring down rates to zero, where their average guy, yeah. like a union member, yeah. a regular guy going to work, we used to get 3%. Yeah, yeah no, you could, get, you could get a return on your mind. John, great call. I've got so many people lined up. i got to cut you off. A really good call. Uh, I will simply, I want to explain something really quickly because. It's, this isn't complicated. Here is what's happening. We have Congress, Republicans and Democrats, Democrats and Republicans. The politicians in Congress are spending about one to two trillion dollars more money than they bring in every year in taxes because they're overspending. We spent four trillion dollars we didn't have on COVID. Now they want to spend all this money on welfare and all these other things. So we've we got all this excess uh, spending. So we're running a deficit, right? That's just like if you spend too much out of your income, you run a deficit. And that deficit then requires the government to borrow, right? These are the ABCs of how this works. So then the government has to go out and borrow last year $2 trillion. This year it's going to be closer to $1.5 trillion. 
So then somebody has to buy those bonds. Somebody has to buy the bonds so the government can spend the money. But increasingly, and I think this was part of John's point, the people who are buying the bonds, believe it or not, are the Federal Reserve Board. The Federal Reserve Board is buying, they hold several trillions of dollars of these treasury bills. Now, this gets to the crux of the point. Where does the Federal Reserve get the money to buy the bonds? Where does the Federal Reserve get the money to buy the bonds? I think you all know. I think you all know the answer. It's self-evident, right? The Federal Reserve gets the money by printing it, the printing presses. And so they're flushing all this cheap money into the economy through all this deficit spending, and it is causing inflation. Ergo, what do we need to do to stop the inflation? Well, there are a lot of steps we can take, but the most important first step, I talked to the Senate Republican in, in Congress uh, this week. I met with a bunch of them. And I said, you got to stop the spending. You cannot keep spending and borrowing. Or if, if, by the way, can you imagine for a minute, folks, if, if um, Biden had actually passed that crazy $5 trillion Build Back Better bill? Can you imagine what the inflation would be today? I mean, folks, we would have not 8.5% inflation, we'd have 15 or 20% inflation. All they want to do is spend money. They, they said, oh, we've got we've to spend uh, $35 billion more for Ukraine. Now, maybe that's a good idea. I'm not an expert on Ukraine, so I can't judge whether that makes sense or not. That's not my area of expertise. But let's say, let's just say for the, and I'm, I favor us, you know, helping the Ukrainians any way we can. But okay, so let's accept the premise that we have to, send more money to help Ukraine. Why can't we cut other government spending? Look, if you have an emergency in your family budget or in your business budget, and you have to spend $3 million more that you weren't accounting for, you have to cut money out of other things that you spend money on, right? That's what a rational person or business would do. But that's not the way government works. And that's why I have this crisis. Okay, who is our next caller, Mr. Producer? Our next caller will be Al from New Jersey. Yeah, what do you got for us, sir? Hey, hi, Steve. How are you today, kid? I'm just. I'm angry. Uh, Al, I'm not angry. I'm not. Ha- I'm not a happy camper today. I think you could probably tell. I just think the wheels are coming off right now. But what do you, What do you think? I'm. I'm uh, just interested in. I was shopping in Target store today with my nephew yeah. and his wife, and it was packed with customers, retail customers. And I was just wondering, Steve, if Target Stores is a publicly held company, because I like to invest in it. (laughs) It is a publicly traded company. And you're right. A lot of these stores are really crowded. I mean, I just got back flying. I was in Dallas yesterday to give a speech. And so I flew back uh, this morning. And my gosh, every flight you take now is completely full. People are spending a lot of money. Here's the problem, Al. Where are people getting all of this money? Where is it coming from? And I got to tell you, it's the government is just flushing all this money into people's bank accounts. The welfare payments are off the, over the top. We keep spending more and more money. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. Yeah, it's great. People are getting out and they're spending. You much longer, right? The band is going to stop playing. And when the band stops playing, it could be a catastrophic uh, event for our economy. We already see it going negative. And I'm here to tell you, we cannot continue with these policies of spending money 
that we don't have, raising taxes on our businesses, importing all these things from other countries like oil and gas when we can be producing it here at home. Okay, Mr. Producer, who is our next caller? Our next caller is Doug from New Jersey. Okay, Doug, what do you got? I'm sorry I'm kind of not a great mood today. I'm angry about what's going on. What's on your I mind? I hadn't noticed, Steve. <laughs> Listen, I've, yeah. I've heard you say in the past uh, that uh, if you get a 6% raise and the annual CPI inflation is 8.5%, that you've lost yeah. money. Could That's you address right. the dynamics of someone, let's say, who gets a 6% raise but whose living expenses do not reflect the weighted averages used in the uh, calculation. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's a great point. So these are all averages. So on average, you know, if you're spending money on the things that are rising in price, like energy costs and like food costs and things of that nature. Um, and, and by the way, I do think that the uh, consumer price index um, right now is slightly understating the amount of inflation because we don't, in my opinion, properly account for one of the things that's rising the most in price, which is housing costs. And, you know, the now a rise in housing costs is a kind of uh, double edged sword, right? If you own a house, as I do, it's great. You know, you, your house appreciates in value and you've got equity in that house. So that's money. But the problem is, think about these young people who are the millennials who maybe have one or two kids. They're maybe 30, 32, 35 years old. They want to buy their first house. My gosh, there's not a lot of inventory out there. And then, you know, they have to spend a lot on this. So your point is well made that it depends a lot on what you buy. Some things are rising very rapidly in price. And by the way, I've, I've always said this, education, tuition, health care, those are the things that have been rising the fastest in price. And those are the things that are most regulated by government. So, gee, thanks a lot, Uncle Sam. You're not making the, it more affordable. You're making it less affordable. Uh, I am worried about what's happening with the housing prices. Um, now, technology costs are falling. Tech, tech costs fall because there's so much innovation in that area. So it's a very good point. And I'm, I'm glad you made it because not everybody is at the average. Some people are spending money on different things in the basket of goods that we weigh the inflation. But you get a hard, have a hard time finding anything that's falling in price, maybe other than uh, some of these technology items. Okay, who we've got next, Mr. Producer? Next is John from New Hyde Park. Uh, great to Hey, Steve. Um, I want to know, uh, you did a documentary years ago with Mike Huckabee on the fair tax. I never hear you promote it since. Where do you, where do you stand oh, on you it now? What? I think it's the uh, solution. Yeah. Now, th your name is John? Yeah, John from New Hyde Park. Yeah. John. Okay. Great. I'm so glad you called it. John, do you like the fair tax? I love it. I've been a, I've been yeah. a proponent of it since I first read about it. Yeah. I went to see well, your documentary you when you had it, uh, you had it in the theaters. Absolutely. So I'm so glad you called, John. I'm thrilled to hear you bring up the fair tax because you know what? To solve these problems that our country has, for those of you who don't know, remember what the fair tax is, and it's still an idea that's up there, so I should talk about it more. Maybe one of these weeks I'll do a whole hour special on how do we. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> Week after. But here, here's just the short version of this, folks. And we will we will devote a whole show to this. Because I want to hear from you all. The issue 
get rid of the income tax. You get rid of the government taking money out of your paycheck and taxing your work and your savings and so on. And what you can't pay your tax on is, is like a national sales tax, right? So right now, you know, you know, if you live in New York or New Jersey, Connecticut, you pay a sales tax. But this would be basically a federal sales tax. But then you wouldn't have to pay any income tax at all, not zero. The state, I mean, your federal income tax would go away, so you wouldn't have to keep shoe boxes full of all these receipts and so on. Um, it wouldn't be the government's business how much money you make because you just pay your taxes when you buy things. Even people in illicit, illegal activities, whether they're prostitutes or they're drug runners or whatever it is, um, they would actually have to right? Because they go out and buy things, they have to pay the sales tax. Can you imagine? What, oh, by the way, if things come in from other countries, from China, because so much of what we buy is from China, we put a tax on it. It's like a tariff on everything that brings in. You can do this at about a 15% or 16% tax rate. I'm here to tell you, I think it would be like rocket fuel to the U.S. economy if we did not have an income tax and we moved to the fair tax. Um, I've always loved that idea, especially this time of the year. All right, I think we have time for one more quick question. Can we squeeze one more in? We don't have time. I'm so sorry, folks. I got carried away on my soapbox. Uh, great calls today. We are going to get through this. We do need some sensible economic policies coming from Washington because all I'm hearing is dumb and dumber stuff. So uh, I hope everybody has a great, great weekend. We will be back. I love you, of having a special. But we're, we're not going to do it next week. But maybe we'll do the week after. On how do we fix this crazy mess? And have a great weekend, folks. I'm Steve Moore. You've been listening to the More Money Show on WABC. Your health is important. Your sexual health is very important. And like everything else, it has challenges. As many as 50% of men over 50 have sexual-related difficulties like ED, low testosterone, and low energy. That's where they come in. Elevate Wellness has real, professional, and in-person solutions. Call 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. Or visit elevatewellnessgroup.com and get back to where it started. Office visits only $99 this month.